Welcome to Brothers Red, the unique LFC fan podcast brought to you by Five Brothers. Liverpool have beaten Chelsea 11-10 on penalties after a 0-0 draw in the Carabao Cup final on the weekend. We're all absolutely ecstatic. I've got a full complement of uh, euphoric brothers with me. Good evening, Matt, Fran, Paddy and Andy. How are you doing, boys? Very well, thank you. Good, James. All uh, good. Paddy and Andy, you were, you were at Wembley. So I'll I'll start with the two of you. Uh, what was the atmosphere like in the stadium? I mean, there was that sense, wasn't there? I don't know if it's just the media spin that it, this was a bit of an opportunity for Liverpool fans to celebrate with the team after not being able to cel- celebrate the league title win a couple of years ago. So did you get? Did you guys feel as though it was a special atmosphere before and during the match and? And obviously after. Yeah, I, I thought it was a all fans really up for as you would expect. Um, it was a really te- you know really tense game throughout. Um, the crowd, Paddy, I don't know if you found this, but you just we didn't really stop singing. Did, did we all game? Um, I think it was part partly because as well the games game was quite intense, so that picked up the crowd. But just at the end, James, when we won, just. To be able to celebrate with the team just felt you know, really nice, and there was almost a bit of a because I think fans had missed out on the Premier League celebrations. It just felt like everyone was just so happy to be able to celebrate some success, having won a tro- trophy, and especially in the circumstances of winning on penalties. So there was a couple of guys around us who just couldn't watch the penalties. There was so yeah. much tension bottled up. They weren't the only ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a, a really you know, magical day. Yeah, I mean, it looked, it looked, I mean, there was that sort of anecdotal sense of that because apparently, the, you know, the, the Wembley officials couldn't get Liverpool off the pitch after the match. I mean, I don't know how long they were celebrating for. How long were you guys in the stadium after the match? We pretty much stayed for the duration of the celebrations. There were constantly different players coming up and running towards the crowd. Um, but it felt yeah, like it lasted think... about 30 or 40 minutes part, didn't it? Yeah, it felt like they were trying to rush us, rush them at first because they got all the boards out there quick and they had got Chelsea up and down the stands. Um, and then they were just they were just chilling out after that, just messing around. Like you had um, Trent and Robbo just sat down. On them on their own, just just chilling, chatting together. It's like two old men in a park bench, like just mm-hmm. they wanted to move. They were just soaking it all up. And then you just had um, a couple of like not one say clowns, but like a couple couple of like characters knocking around. So Simicast kept um, like running running away from the crowd with the trophy and then running back. They must have done mm-hmm. it like six or seven times on, on the run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Obviously, you've seen this pictures of Matip as well going into the crowd and and, and Klopp going nuts. At one point, I thought Klopp was going to throw the trophy in. And <laughs> it was just, um, it was, yeah, it was just just euphoric. Really, it was nice they got the uh, little lad up on the um, on the stand at Wembley. Not a big fan of them doing the the ceremony in in the stand because you couldn't see. Like, we were so far away up in the sticks. You could see down on the pitch, and the players made sure they'd come round and seen everyone, and you know, did a little bit of in each corner kind of thing. But it was just, it was hard to see um, 
the other side of the stand. It's just like little little dots, and the confetti was in the way. But that's um, tradition, yeah. isn't it, Paddy? Isn't that what yeah. tradition for Wembley? That's that's what they do, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm just saying, not not a fan. You can't couldn't really see it, but uh, the yeah, that atmosphere was euphoric. Yeah, everyone was just everyone was just dancing for about 15 minutes afterwards. Just, you know, dual lipper and stuff coming on, and everyone's just like. You know, was partying like it was um, DJ yeah, DJ Tony party wasn't it it was some sort of roast yeah. DJ DJ, DJ Tony yeah. putting all the tunes on <laughs> maybe yeah they had some ran- <laughs> yeah I don't know who he was but he uh, I think at half time or uh, maybe half time extra time he put on the uh, I can't remember the, what the song's called but it's the one um, all the fans think about not, not liking the Tories I put the Tories one. Oh yeah, da, 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 but they, I don't think they. Yeah. I don't think he realised, and then all the pro fans just got <laughs> up and started laughing and started singing it at the top of the voice. Um, yeah, plenty of those chants going around. It's a real, as you can imagine, James, a real party atmosphere. Really, you know, really carnival uh, towards the end. Everyone was was going was going nuts, and it just it did feel like, as I said, that release of of tension. Um, that I think has been bottled up throughout the game. Also, just the you know, the release of enjoyment of being able to celebrate with the players and the manager. It was it was a nice feeling, and I think I certainly feel very fortunate to have been there. Well, I think it's it, it's now for us all really just to continue enjoying the coverage and stuff on social media, LFC TV that they've released an inside Wembley, which is a sort of twenty minute video, which goes a little bit behind the scenes. There's so many nice moments, isn't there, between, you know, the players that you can just enjoy and the manager and the coaching staff. One of the videos that's quite nice is, where, you know, where, where a big group of the players and the coaches are, are sort of dancing for to uh, freed from desire in the changing rooms, really going for it. And it's, um, it's just great to see. I mean, Fran, winning the Carabao Cup um, is not necessarily the most significant thing in the world in the ordinary run of things. I mean, it's a it's a cup that we haven't paid much attention to for, for many, many years, particularly under the Klopp regime. Same with the FA Cup, really. But it feels as though it's a bit significant this season. There's that sense that Liverpool need to get some silverware under Klopp. Um, and we've just got this thing, haven't we, where we happen to be in, you know, all four competitions. So it, it just feels like... And maybe it's because we didn't get a chance, as we were saying, to celebrate the league title two years ago. Like this was a big, a big day out for the fans, and it might have more significance now in terms of momentum for the rest of the season, mightn't it? Yeah, I think all those points that you've just made are relevant to how big it was for winning the competition. And we've now gone ahead of City again in terms of nine league cups. So that's quite significant as well because it just shows Liverpool's dominance again within English football and uh, as you rightly said you know to get another this team team is such a good team full of quality and I think everyone's kind of thinking the same things that we, we need to be winning more more trophies we need to be looking back five six years time saying what a team that was but having no question that it was just that it was a great team because of the players who were available, the squad. But by having this list of just silverware going down from season to season, I think, I think it's significant to, to now propel us on to, as you said, 
you know, to, to think that we've still got three other competitions to compete in. And even that the league doesn't look particularly... Well, we're, we're not a million miles away from City, are we? But it's still going to be a massive task to try and um, get past City. But it's just the excitement at the moment that we're in four competitions. As you and Andy and Paddy rightly said, we're, um, we've been able to celebrate this competition as opposed to win the league a couple of seasons back. So I think it's just very much a partisan atmosphere at the moment and we just need to keep keep enjoying it. I have to just um, just to mention, though, Dad was watching the, the, the penalties again before mm. and he was so nervous watching him. <laughs> Obviously, even after the event. The, even after the event. Uh, it's just yeah. quality. And, and and Paddy was saying that there was, a, I think it was Paddy, I might have misquoted him again, as per usual, but um, that certain people, fans in the crowd, couldn't watch the penalties. You should have seen what my dad was like. My dad, Dennis, said as well. <laughs> not your dad. Sorry, we're, Paddy's only finding out tonight that it's not his dad, but... He's um, on the floor. He's on the floor with your hand. All face down in the living room. He just couldn't watch it. At one stage, he was like, I'm going to have to go for a walk. <laughs> Obviously, we were just like, you know, we were just, our eyes were just staring at the screen. So I just couldn't even entertain his conversation when he was saying he was walking out. But yeah. it just shows how much it meant. From. Can you watch a Chelsea Pens or just, was it both Liverpool and Chelsea Pens? No, I think um, me and Matt give him some, um, some, uh, some crossfire. And uh, let's put it that way, uh, without swearing on. On, on Zoom, and he, he kind of like he realised that he couldn't he couldn't back out. He had to watch it with us. So I think we put put the pressure on. But you you yeah. know you obviously know always like. Because yeah. I think we all were because obviously it was James and Matt in the room, and then Mel and, and Mum in the room. So it was quite a good atmosphere. Quite intense. It's so funny. It, guys? Just um, there was as we were going through the penalties, there was a young lad behind. Uh, me and Paddy, and <laughs> just before Canate stepped, stepped up, he was like, oh, no, Canate's next. What <laughs> <laughs> was funny about it is, as you went down the pecking order, you, your confidence just diminished a bit more. And I was like, <laughs> I was fairly confident. With, I think Robbo stuck, to, um, took one, I thought, well, he can strike the ball. And when Canate, I mean, just, I think, the... The guy behind us, the kid, just summed up everyone else was thinking, oh, no, not Canate next. <laughs> well, I mean, Matt, I've spoken about it being the League Cup uh, and Liverpool have won it for nine times now. But there was something extra significant about this match because it could easily have been a Champions League final. I mean, Liverpool, Chelsea, two of the best teams in Europe, they both went at it, hammer and tong. It was an unbelievable game for the neutral it was a nerve shredder for the both sets of fans. It was an epic game. It ended in an epic way. Um, and, you know, it, Liverpool had the, the kind of the initial knock, didn't they, of losing Thiago, which was a bit of a blow. But I think we, we, we seemed to recover from that reasonably well. Yeah, it was a real blow, wasn't it? I was really looking forward to seeing Thiago playing, to be perfectly honest. And you could see he was absolutely devastated, wasn't he? So it just shows how much he even... The, the League Cup means to the players. And uh, I think the start of the game, Chelsea were slightly the better side. And I think we were a little bit kind of, I don't know if we had something planned, obviously playing, playing Thiago, but 
I thought I thought Naby did all right then. Uh, and then we managed to, and then we probably had the better, the better of the first first half, really. But um, yeah, it would have been nice having the three midfielders playing, wouldn't it? You know, well, we had no idea of the game. Yeah, what was yours? You have to get. Well, we didn't know. We just well, as soon as the uh, it was announced the team, it just said, "Oh, Tiago goes out and Kaita's in." So we we guessed, didn't we, Paddy, that it must have been some sort of injury, but we had no knowledge at the time, so we were really surprised and we. Were, Paddy and I were thinking, oh, that that would or did significantly weaken the team because that the, that combination of Fab, Thiago, and, and Henderson um, is so strong, isn't it? I just thought we we looked a bit weak, weaker in that mid- midfield. I think I think it's fine margins, isn't it? Because you you we were looking uh, at that playing that dream midfield, you know, the Hendo Thiago uh, kind of uh, Fabinho access before the game, thinking it was going to give us the best possible chance. And Chelsea are a really good side. I was really impressed with Chelsea. I know we've had a few good battles with them in the league this year. Uh, they're not an, an easy nut to crack. You look around their team, they've got quality everywhere. Uh, the manager's a top manager. Tuchel, uh, I think, knows how to set up a team. He knows how to get the best out of his players. And to be honest... Uh, Pad, I, I, it felt really significant at the time when Matip scored because it had been a bit of a topsy-turvy game. Both sides had had great chances. But when that goal went in, I mean, I, I mean, we all celebrated it big time. I presume you guys were the same. Um, and I feel as though if that goal would have stood, I think that would have, you know, I think we would have won on balance. Uh, we would have would have taken it one 0 but it, it, you know, is was it the right decision? I mean, you know, we we got a bit of look ourselves with the Lukaku decision later on. What were your thoughts? Well, you, you, yeah, we went absolutely nuts when that went in. Um, we used up all my energy. It felt like for for half an hour afterwards. We were just <laughs> we we thought it was in. We didn't know there was a check, and so. All the flurs went off and we were just dancing and jumping around. Um, felt like ten minutes, but um, it, they did take they, they took the time changing that, and we we didn't know why it was why it was ruled out. Um, I think one of you guys texted me actually, so that helped. Yeah. Um, and then looking at the replay, um, it looks like Van Dyke was offside rather than it being a foul. I just I think I Is think he it was fairing play it's, though, Pad, on your view. Well, I think he's. Um, I think it's consistent with decisions they've done in the last couple of weeks. But I still think all the just jostling stuff that goes around it in in the box. I, I still think it was. It's quite. It's quite soft, considering I, on that free kick. Um, the uh, I think it was. Is it Reese James? He pushed Van Dyke like absolutely, like smacked him just before um, the free kick was taken. And I'm, I was watching it, just thinking that that that's out of order. Van Dyke was just, you know, he's just cool. He didn't even bat an eyelid. He was just cool about it. So maybe that's why he he grabs him a little bit. Um, but it was definitely, although it was, de- it was definitely worked that set piece. Um, yeah, I think I think according to the rules, it was offside. But I, I don't I don't think I like the rule to be honest. Rather than being rather than being the incorrect decision. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there can be uh, too many complaints about the refereeing on the day. I thought the referee handled the match well. There were no major controversies. I mean, it, I mean, if you, there's a bit of a 
sort of crisis in, in top flight refereeing at the moment after that unbelievable decision not to award Everton a penalty against Man City on Saturday. I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of fallout from that. Apologies, referees coming out saying they got it wrong, you know, interviews taking place with Anthony Taylor. Um, so, but I thought the referee did a decent job. But for me, Matt, it was one of those games where, uh, Andy, I don't know if you felt the same, it was just an emotional roller coaster. You know, with all the, the number of times you thought Chelsea were going to score, whether it's because they had a great chance or Mount had two very good chances, didn't he? Uh, uh, and whether it was going to be an offside goal. It was just, you know, it, it, it wasn't one that was easy to enjoy as the as the invested fan. It was a tight, tight battle, wasn't it? Um, I think that both teams could have scored and it could have easily been 2 all, 3 all. to be perfectly honest. Uh, Chelsea have Chelsea have given us really good games at the moment, aren't they? I mean, I think that's three draws this season now, isn't it? We've played Chelsea and and um, they they they're just the top 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 side, aren't they? And it's like in the Premier League now, you've got us City and Chelsea, who are like probably the three three best in Europe. Um, so I I kind of knew before the game it was going to be it was going to be a, a, a Titanic struggle, and it and it was as well, and. Um, I think what it does show, though, it does show how brilliant and how well drilled we are with the offside trap. Because time and time again, we just we we just get it right. And you know, I know that some of the offsides were so so marginal, but you know, top top clean sheets, haven't we? Basically, and we just keep getting we just keep get, getting these offsides right, and it and it just shows a. Uh, it shows a ridiculous amount of skill in the defending, a ridiculous amount of preparation. And um, I think, I don't know whether it's, I don't know whether it's too much is made of it, you know, sorry, I don't think enough of made of how good the the defending and, and the way we play the offside trap is because it just showed again uh, in, in that final how, how good it is. I don't know what everyone else thinks about that. I mean, it's not really... The front three is often talked about, isn't it? But nobody ever mentions mentions how well we defend and how well we use the offside trap. You know that trio trio up front for Chelsea is so dangerous and it's caused us so many problems in in previous games. Um, just coming back, Matt, you you just saying how I think James was saying as well how good Chelsea were, but for them to bring on Timo Werner and Lukaku on I think it was the 70th minute. That just shows, doesn't it, the strength they've got in that team and how good they are. You go through the whole Chelsea team, I don't think there's any you know, real weakness. So I always thought it was going to be a really tight, tight game and a tough game. And but it just seemed James was phases in that game. We Chelsea started off really, I've said to Paddy in the first 10 minutes, we seemed a bit nervous, nervous and shaky, and Chelsea were really composed. And just towards then. To the, towards the close of the first half, we came really into the game, had some good chances. Second half, we started off, quite, I think, quite flat. It was just yeah, like, that, that was a problem for my nerves. It was just up and down. We didn't really seem to have any control in the game. How about the offside trap, though? Yeah, yes. <laughs> you did ask me about that. <laughs> yeah, it's good, uh, but it's not good for the heart, is it? Because the, the, the no, lines, what I'm saying is timing. Time and time again, we're getting it right. Top, top clean sheets. What, what I'm trying to say is that enough is not made of how good, how good it is. 
No, it, you're right, Matt. No. You're right. It's, it's, it's a risky it, strategy, it's a, but it's paying off. That's what I'm saying, you know. It's highly successful. I mean, I think they're unbelievable at it. You know, you used to talk about the the Arsenal offside trap, didn't you? In what was it? In the sort of, uh, in the, what was it? Probably early early nineties, maybe. Um, you know, the one nil to the Arsenal. They had an you know an unbelievable sort of back straight back line. But this Liverpool team, I think, are getting teams offside because they're so well drilled, and it's um, it's a it's a real skill. One of the things I wanted to talk about before we talk about the penalties um, was the the decision to play Quivine Kelleher. I mean, I think there must have been a temptation from Klopp to start with Allison because he's you know one of the best keepers in the world without doubt, and we've seen in recent weeks how he can make a massive difference to the team. But he goes with the young lad. Uh, he said he would. Um, I, I thought it was very interesting what Klopp was saying. Is you know I'm a, I'm a professional football coach, but I'm also a human being and. And sometimes you have to go with sentiment. Um, and he liked the idea about backing, you know, the young goalkeeper. But the the very interesting thing that comes out of that is the way that Chelsea approached the two uh, and Tuchel approached the issue of bringing in their substitute keeper. And I just thought that that whole story was was fascinating, Pad, as a subtext, and it became decisive, didn't it, in the end? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh... It felt like poetic justice because the their keeper, um, Kepa, he was uh, he was so annoying for all the penalties. He was just it was such bad sportsmanship. He was just stood in front of all the players. And if you watch Quivine, he was just he was so chilled. He just we yeah. walked straight to his line and was like, "So I'm just gonna, you know just confidence in himself. Didn't need to do anything." But he was just um, still, wasn't he? For his he, was just, he was still, yeah. And I think he's got a good pen record. I think. Um, I think he's, he's he's already is he already won us two pen shootouts already, um, so you know he, he's got confidence in himself and uh, that Kepa was just so annoying, so irritating. But there's so many good moments, you know, mm-hmm. Fabino just chipping it down the middle, Van Dyke hitting it exactly where he was stood, he couldn't stop it, and then obviously um, you know that was the, 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 the pen that missed. I think it just landed in the back garden and tooting. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 and Mendy and Mendy played so well he must have been you know you'd think like you know he must have been in so so much confidence after making you know four or five really good saves that that double save from the Kaita Mane combo was immense and you'd think he'd be flying ready to go in net instead you bring on a keeper who hasn't you know probably hasn't warmed up properly and you're thinking, I think you'd fancy your chances against against him rather than Mendy. So, um, well, then, obviously, Kavin, like, just unbelievable. The way he slapped his pen in. I think he used to be, did he come through as a striker in his youth days? Yeah. Just the way he runs up and then just slots it. Quality. Paddy, I was just going to say about Kepper as well. Hadn't he played all the previous rounds for Chelsea as well? So, it was interesting that, you know, he wasn't, for the final, he wasn't he wasn't played. He wasn't picked to play. Whereas on the other hand, for Liverpool, you know, it just worked out perfectly, didn't it? Yeah, I think I think he is their backup keeper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it's it, it's an interesting one, Matt, because um, Gary Neville was saying, you know, I don't really like this when when he could see Kepa getting warmed up, and I think there's been a lot made of of, of Tuchel's decision. Uh, I mean, clearly it was the wrong decision, but. I, it, 
I mean, he doesn't have a crystal ball. He doesn't know uh, what's going to happen. He's doing the best for his team. It's worked in the past before. I just like the idea of the being, you know, these kind of unwritten laws of football, you know, that, you know, like what I've spoken about in the past, when you're dominating a game and you don't score the first goal, invariably the other team will get the goal. And I just think, you know, it just offends your footballing sensibilities when you think, well, why are you bringing on, you know, a goalkeeper? You know, why are you bringing on a particular player just to take a penalty? It just doesn't feel right. It feels too clever. It feels like, you, you know, you're being a smart arse. And um, I'm not necessarily sure that that's the way to view it, but it was just ironic, wasn't it, that it completely and utterly backfired uh, it blew up in Tuchel's face because not only did he not save any of the penalties, he then misses the decisive penalty. So it's just, it was just, a, you know, another piece of drama, wasn't it? In a, in a thoroughly dramatic, topsy-turvy affair. Oh, hindsight though, isn't it? Because when he, when he was coming on, we were like, oh, this, this guy's the penalty expert. Now we've got, we've got no chance. Um, or Chelsea have got better penalty takers than us. So, I don't know, it's just... No, but I think that was, Matt, that was a bit of a sort of an acid test, wasn't it, for his sort of professionalism in terms of, there's what I was trying to say before with Paddy, is that if, if Kepa played in the earlier rounds to get Chelsea to the final, then he was dropped. Uh, and Mendy came in and had such a, a great performance for only for Tuchel to hook him off. I think there was, a, there was an acid test sort of for Kepa to come in and 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 show his show his worth, and and obviously he didn't he didn't do that. He'd been on bench, hadn't he, for 120 minutes? Didn't seem like he'd, he'd warmed up. Coming on, admittedly, he can just you know go in there and try and make some saves, but then to try and take the Andy Canate Canate took a penalty and he scored. Could have saved that. Yeah, but Canate, yeah, it was not it wasn't the best time, was it? Canate, come on, didn't he? He had about 10, 10 or 15 minutes where he was playing, whereas to change the keeper in that way, when the keeper had been... I don't think he had 10 away. or 15 minutes. I think he had about two minutes. Yeah, half an hour, Canato. He come on for extra Kepa. time, didn't he? Oh, Kepa didn't. Oh, yeah. you about Kepa. <laughs> no, no. Oh, sorry, he didn't come on at all, did he? <laughs> Oh, so yeah, he had like 90 seconds, didn't he? Yeah, because because someone was saying, oh, well, quick, have a shot. <laughs> Shoot. He would have yeah. been stale, wouldn't he? He would have been stale. He yeah, sat on the bench, not knowing whether it would go to penalties or not, and then to come on. But he had that. There was almost a bit of justice because there was that game, wasn't there? Again, it was against City where he refused to come off. Yeah. It was for um, Sari, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Finally. it just shows you the bad, bad attitude, and that that aligns with Paddy's um, interpretation of what he was like drawing the pens. You know, being really difficult. So you want your keepers to try and put off the players. But he was just being, he was going up to the players and stuff, wasn't he? Just being a bit. Well, I think he pointed to, to Van Dyke, didn't he, Paddy? Yeah, no, Van. Pen. Van Dyke, he just stood on one side of the goal, didn't he, on the right? I think it was Harvey Elliott apparently pointed to which direction it was going to. Or, um... C. Collins, uh, C. Collins got a theory that he missed on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> to sabotage Man, don't you be laughing. Playing. Matt, don't you be laughing. You, want, you wanted um, Adrian to come on you. When Kepa was brought on, you thought we needed to make some yeah. kind of... Uh... 
Can you imagine the reaction God. though if Adrian came on as a as a specialist <laughs> clown for us for the penalties? Then that nice Kelleher James didn't about, save any, did he? What's nice about the Kelleher James decision was just it just gives that glimmer of hope, doesn't it, to the young players that you know Klopp will trust in the young players. And if you're a young player thinking you've got a, a you know, young player there being given that trust and confidence to go in a, in a massive game, how significant is that final to our season? I would say it's incredibly significant because it, it fills mm. that team already with confidence, uh, with even yeah. more confidence to go on for the rest of the season. Well, what it has does. City done? City have won the Carabao Cup so many times and obviously it's, it's provided a blueprint for them, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's a bit of extra momentum and confidence, isn't it? I, I, do, I just well, think I don't mention City on this podcast unless you're going to slag them off, right? You know, yeah. Yeah, well, that was definitely a penalty. Or, uh, don't <laughs> ever, don't ever pick them up. Oh, I obviously didn't get a penalty beyond everybody, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's some, there's some wider significance to this victory because I think um, Liverpool will use it. The fact that they've used all of the squad to get the... The fact that they've used uh, a young goalkeeper and he, and Klopp's faith in him, his sort of human faith, has resulted in, in in it being the difference because it was it, it was the margin was that slim really, wasn't it? About choice of goalkeeper, uh, that was the that was the decisive point. The other thing is that you know it won't have escaped your attention that we may find ourselves either in. Uh, the FA Cup or in the Champions League in a in a in a penalty shootout. Um, and and to you know to score eleven you know consecutive penalties org as well for the future. I mean, it, you know you, you don't know what's going to happen, do you? In, in in those competitions, but it's it's a it's very much a positive. Um, the other thing I just want to mention as another positive, just as a as a as a side note, is um, it, it feels remiss of me not to mention um, Luis Diaz because I mean I just thought he was. He was unbelievable, you know. Probably, probably our best player. I know Van Dyke was was given the the man of the match trophy, but this kid looks like he's a guaranteed starter for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he started. What's surprising, James, is he started off so well, hasn't he? He's just managed to fit in that team with so much ease. And I think it's because he's aggressive. He's quick. And what I like about him, it's something that Dad has said, is that he's willing to take on players. It was, you know, what 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 it's what Mane does quite a lot, what Salah does. It's exciting to watch because it puts the defenders on the back foot, just to have that, you know, that lightning pace, that aggression. And that was the difference for me in the first half. That Diaz, when he got the ball in those areas, he was causing problems more so in the first half than in Salah and Mane. Because he was taking it past the Chelsea players, and he can, can only get better, can he? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's encouraging, isn't it? I mean, is uh, Mane going to go more? Is Mane going to go more central now because of that? Because because of, of Diaz, isn't it? Because he's doing so well on that left side that you know Mane and Jota, you know, for them central positions. I don't know. You know well, it's it, it's it, you know we've we've touched on this, and and we're going to wrap things up shortly. But uh, I just want to ask you all about the quadruple. But, um, you know, you'd think Diaz coming in would probably, you know, be, be someone who might shorten rather than 
elongate Mane's career, but the effect of Diaz coming in in Mane's position, I think, has um, uh, oddly been um, illuminating for Mane because it, I think it's showing in the last few games that he can play as a number nine, he can adapt his game, he can elongate his Liverpool career. And given that number nine option, I think Liverpool would be mad not to extend his contract. I think they should extend all three of their contracts, to be honest, because um, I think they all they all justify it. My concern with Mane has been allayed a little bit by the fact that he can play so effectively down the middle. I mean, he could have scored. He, he could and should have scored on the weekend. He had a great chance and a, or two, you know, two chances in quick succession. So, guys, quadruple. Does anyone realistically think that we can we can win a quadruple? Klopp's not interested in it. Um, uh, I mean, I think the, the the most interesting thing for me is that we're still we've still got three competitions to win that we could all potentially win. I think I think that's what's significant, James, is that and Klopp's rightly dismissed the quadruple because what we should appreciate is that we're very much in the mix for all competitions, but equally, as we all know, the Champions League, we all know the quality of City and how how ridiculously hard the, the Premier League is. You know, things can shift and change so quickly. But on balance, with, with the result and the momentum that we've got at the moment, you know, I think we should just do what, what we usually do, one game at a time. Let's just see what see what Norwich offer tomorrow, West Ham at the weekend. We can't... I don't think we can look... I know we all want to um, get excited about the the rest of the season, but I really think we have to put things into perspective and and, and just what well, just one point I want to just make very quickly. It's the, it's the Diaz Diaz point is that it took Liverpool for Spurs to come in for Liverpool to jump back in with a with, whether it was a higher bid or whether he just just the pull of Liverpool and how well we've been doing or Klopp or whatever the pull to come to Liverpool, but he could be the difference from now yeah. to the end of the season and what Liverpool achieve and what they win massive. because it, yeah. it, it's absolutely massive. But to think that we may not have, have tried to sign him till the summer, you know, ju- just look at the impact he's already had. And we've got the Champions League where we know he's played in the Champions League with Porto. We know he's he's a big game player. So I just think that signing is significant. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, guys, um, it's... Absolutely brilliant that um, you know we, we've managed to pick up a trophy already this season. Uh, it was a great day on Sunday, and uh, hopefully, it's going to be the first of one, two, or three more. We'll see. Um, this is the excitement now, isn't it? You know, as a football fan, you want hope. You know, you want uh, the excitement of of being in, in the mix for these things as we've always said when Liverpool were were not at not at their best and nowhere near the levels they are now we want to be we want to be competing we want to be in the mix we don't want our season to be over um you know in in in, in February so we're we're involved in all these competitions um so we just have to keep going and hope the boys can keep churning out the results Paddy anything any other business before we finish no, it's just um, just being a bit of a stats nerd. Just look, just 
we're trying to work out the, what I think the probability is of others doing the quadruple. Yeah. So in my in my in my head, I had as forty percent chance of winning the league. It's, yeah. it's not a 50-50 um, because we're three points behind. We've got to play City away. And I think they've got slightly easier games. So let's say 40%. Yeah. I think in the Champions League, I think there's about five teams who can win it. Three yeah. English clubs, PSG, Bayern. So that's yeah. 20%. And then the FA Cup, uh, you need a bit of luck, but there's probably, what, four teams who can probably win it. Yeah. So if you times so- all those... So let's say let's say that there's a twenty five percent of any chance. So you times all them together, you get the probability. So I work out as a, as a two percent chance that we're gonna win. <laughs> of win the quadruple. So it's, so it's possible, but it's uh, that's the kind of the kind of numbers you're talking about. That's that's how exceptional it would be. You know, the, we've we've got we've got one out of the way, you know, that's you know, that the pressure's off. But uh, I'd like to. I'd like to see us just win one of the Champions Leagues or Premier League. You know, just get one of those big ones um, for it to be a really successful season. Yeah, I, I think. I think the funny thing is, um, no one here is saying that we're going to win the quadruple. But on the other hand, no one is saying that we're we're not going to do it. You know, it's not. It's not. No one's prepared to positively rule it out because if you look at it, you know, we, we've got a fighting chance on all of them. Um, quadruple, come on! As Paddy said, statistically, it's it, it's it's highly unlikely. As Klopp said himself, I think today for the press conference with the Norwich game, you know, look how good City have been, and they've not been able to to do it with all their domination. But Liverpool are a special club, so you just never know. You never know what's round the corner. You know, this is the club you know whose goalkeepers score winning goals. Um, in cup finals, score winning goals from headed corners. You know, we've got some of the best players in the world. So we'll just we'll just have to see what happens. Thanks very much for joining me, guys. It's been a brilliant weekend. It it's just getting even better and better to be a Liverpool fan at the moment with this team, this success, this this unbelievable manager that we've got. And uh onward and upwards, we'll we'll meet again after the West Ham game on the weekend. But uh up the Reds. You've been listening to Brothers Red, an LFC fan podcast. Your host was James Cullen. Contributors were Matthew, Francis, Patrick and Andrew Cullen. Music and production by Helen Lyon. The best word I can say when describe this was boom. <laughs> <laughs>